0: Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for betting tips. I always get asked who you got, Lakers or Clippers, Rodgers or Mahomes. I tell you you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with MyBookie.com. MyBookie rep is rock solid, and they've got all the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. There's only one place I trust to handle my NBA related bets, the one sports book guaranteed to give me the best lines for the national championship college football game on January 11th and on every NFL playoff game coming up. And you know me, and you know I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. Very hard to impress. To earn it, if you've got to be the best at what you do, and my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, a promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and get your deposit match halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to your sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. BetwithMyBookie.com. Okay, Hoopball, Mavs Nation. We have a special guest coming on after a special game we felt like happened for the Mavericks. I mean, Things were looking bad, then things were looking great, then things were looking bad, and then they turned great again. And for me, I just love the fact that they that they fought. S- simply put, I just like watching them compete when their back is against the wall, and it happened several times last night. But more so than that, we brought in somebody who was special, who I felt like really has his pulse on the mats as well and thought he would be just as appropriate to talk about last night's game, my guy Nick the host of Locked On Mavs, a daily Mass podcast. He's also the lead social for Locked On Mavs podcast network and the channel core for Locked On NBA um, at Locked On NBA Pods. Nick, I didn't want to mess up your last name t- telling everybody <laughs> about who you are. <laughs> so I was going to leave that to you. How are you doing today? And how do we pronounce your last name? <laughs>
1: Last name doesn't matter as much. Just follow at Nick Van Exit on Twitter. That's basically it.
0: It's nice.
1: Exed, but uh, I understand people won't get that right, man. I I'm doing great. Lawrence. Like this is, this is one of those wins you just wake up the next day and you feel better. Right. I don't know what it is about a win the next day that you just wake up and you're like, man, the day is brighter. Like outside, it seems like the sky is bluer. It's just something about a win like this, especially, Considering the Mavericks' their clutch struggles last year, to win an overtime game like that, Luka doing what he did, all the role players stepping up when they needed to, it was just—it's one of those day brightener wins.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I just, you know, and obviously with Twitter, everything is overreaction city. So when they're down, we're everyone's—I can't believe this. We should be winning. Get someone in to guard uh, Jokic. Why are we playing Bovin so long? I mean, the mm-hmm. the list of of information and opinions that are coming in is just all over the place. I mean, from zero to 60, everyone's commenting on however they feel throughout the game. But for me, I felt like, you know, it's a a game of runs. So no matter what, and for the Mavs, which has kind of been the case the last two years, they're just rarely out of a game because of the, the offensive firepower that they have. Granted, they're not shooting the ball as well as they were last year. And just offensively, they're they're just not as – they're not clicking at the rate they were last year, which would be hard to do as a team who had the best offensive rating of all time. But nonetheless, I still believe in the system. I still believe in the talent that they have on the team. So I didn't really get too discouraged with what was going on just based on the fact that the game was still within arm's reach for me. So I didn't necessarily take it as, you know, oh, my God, you know, it's doom and gloom. But overall, like I said, I like the way that I, I like the way they finished the game. Obviously, with a win, but it was just the style of the win. It was just they kind they won kind of an ugly manner game. They had to make big shots, which they did. They had to execute defensively and get stops, which they did at times. And I just think those are those are the type of building blocks, win, building block wins you need to instill confidence moving forward, especially for a team that's missing their other star player. That's a huge win considering they really didn't have a a true matchup uh, person to put on Joker or to battle with Joker. So kudos to the Mavs for winning that game.
1: Absolutely. If you're a team that wants to go far in the playoffs or anywhere in the playoffs in the West, really, you have to be able to win games in different ways. And the Mavericks have proven over the last couple of games here that they can win with their defense. They had some incredible possessions last night. We talked about on lockdown Mavs where I think 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter, they just put together two possessions in a row. They didn't get the offensive rebound, but they defended their butt off, man. Like they just were flying around. They're contesting shots. They're making sure that they were in the right spots. And Josh Richardson has really been key in that. And I think that that has been a huge move for them. And it's proven already to, uh, to be working. And their defense is, is way improved, at least from last year already. Their 10th best defense still in the NBA, but they're, Uh, only allowing 106.4 points for 100 possessions, which is their defensive rating. And that number would have been like third last year overall. The season's just kind of weird right now. Offenses seem to be behind defenses overall a little bit. There's there's, there's like a weird cavern between offenses and defenses on both (laughs) sides. But this – So the Mavericks have have kind of changed and now they're one of the better defensive teams in the league right now and Mm -hmm. they're middle of the pack offensively at this point. And so we know their offense is going to turn around because they're missing their second best offensive player. But to win a game like this, to do it with defense, to uh, come up big against, you know, Jokic, like Jokic, like you said, Uh, It was huge and it was a great win for them. It was a good test for this team and they really needed it. I mean, if they had, if they had lost this game and gone to like three and five is so much different than four and four, right. (laughs) Absolutely. Just just to look at it, the feel and coming off that loss. I mean, it was just a, it was a much needed win and very, very, very welcomed.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Um, Yeah. So like I said, special guest, obviously he knows everything we're talking about. He he knows his Maverick uh, information Um, our, Our following topics will be as we've already expressed our overall thoughts. We'll go through encouraging signs, discouraging signs, stock up Mavs in terms of players and, you know, just what's going on. Stock down Mavs. It can be player related or team related as well. And then we'll preview thoughts for the upcoming game against the Magic. So as we continue to jump into it, Nick, encouraging signs for you. So for me, I think the most encouraging thing is. What you said, they're they are defending. And it's shown and that's something I've been critical about from the beginning of the season, which it started out kind of slow. They still weren't defending at the rate that I would like. And, you know, I'm not against I'm not a guy who's against analytics or or doesn't like numbers or ignores numbers. I think that's irresponsible if you if you do so. But for me, I go off a of field. And although they have been tenth this year, I do, as you mentioned, um in defensive rating, I do believe that. At the beginning of the season, they were still trying to find their way. Not that it was bad from the standpoint of, oh, will this ever change? But I just think that everyone was still getting acclimated to each other. You have to be on a string defensively. And I just think some of the nuances of how some of these guys play, maybe some of the communication, maybe the defensive schemes overall, for whatever reason, they just weren't Gelling um right away. But like you mentioned, these last few games, they've defended really well. And I'm I'm bigger on situational defense, which for me, throughout the game, a team is going to score points. This is just a talented league with some of the bottom barrel teams. Obviously, you can get away with a little more. But when you're playing a Denver or you're playing a Lakers or you're playing a Milwaukee Bucks, you know, you might not defend at an A-level all night, but you need to be able to get stops when they really matter in the fourth quarter under five minutes to go and what I what I'm most excited about is that now the Mavs have guys they can go to in situations like that so that was an encouraging sign for me um, in going into last I mean watching last night's game were there any encouraging signs for you aside from defense or are you on the same side with this defense because I know you just mentioned it
1: yeah I think that the, the your point is correct in that you can't always just look at the numbers and be like, Oh, Mavs are a top 10 defense. It's fixed, right? Like it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. fixed, but they have the capacity to be better than they were last year, which is something that they really, really needed to do. They were number one offense in the NBA last year, but they were like 16th or 17th in defense. And so Mm -hmm. they had to show that and they had to show that they could get better at that area. And Mm -hmm. so they've proven that so far. I think one of the encouraging signs though is Luca in the clutch. I mean, (laughs) the clutch was such a, a hard area for the Mavericks last year. I think they were 17 and 14 in games under five minutes with you know with a like a five-point spread mm-hmm. and like, they really needed to step that up and they, they still made the playoffs last year which is wild they were so bad in those games and still made the playoffs so that was a big area of improvement as well and winning that game against denver was was massive before that, yeah. you had luca scoring you had him hitting shots you had um like maxi coming up big you had all these guys just just scoring and playing well in the clutch. Josh Richardson had two massive plays down the stretch. And so that was a real like sign of encouragement for me is that hopefully this team has something different defensively and maybe their defense can feed into that offense in the clutch as well. And maybe that's how they turn that around.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I for me. And it's just overall fight. I mean, offensively and defensively, they found themselves in a little bit of a rut and they just started making shots. I mean, there was a there was a time in late in the game where Tim Hardaway Jr., just he made two threes. And it wasn't the fact that he made the two threes for me. It was the conviction he shot the ball with. <laughs> It was just kind of like do
1: anything else besides that, though, like does right, exactly. he, he doesn't so, yeah. shoot at all unless he's convicted. Right. It's like that's the only
0: way he shoots. He only exactly. knows one way. <laughs> exactly. I, I completely agree. But it's, it, it hits a little different when you make them late. And so yeah. when, it, when the game when the game is in the balance and you're shooting shots with conviction and they're going in, that was something that was encouraging to me because not necessarily was it specific to him but it was just indicative of the fact that the team just didn't feel like they were out of this game they just kept fighting kept looking for ways to get points and that was something that um that was very encouraging for me but also towards the end of last season and and so here's my thing with maxi kleber he got he caught a lot of heat for his you know his the offensive rut he kind of fell in towards the end of last year in the playoffs But for me, watching the games, it was more so the fact that he just had he had a a lot of defensive responsibility. And for anyone who's played basketball and this isn't a, you know, only if you play basketball, will you know situation? But I can just speak to it myself being a former basketball player that if you're playing defense with the tenacity that it, it will take to stop a guy like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or chasing around a Lou Will, or having to come off of a screen and and defend someone that you're not necessarily physically capable of, but you have to figure out a way because last year, the only defenders that you can put a label on for the Mavs were him and Dorian Finney-Smith. And I just felt like the defense kind of zapped his legs, but this year right now, he doesn't have to take on as much defensive responsibility. He can guard guys that he's capable of guarding because they have guys that can take on other players on the team. So, You know, he has the highest offensive rating on the team right now for a minimum of 100 minutes played. Um, That's the so I'm happy to see him playing better. Um, He's another encouraging sign because I think they need his they need his ability to stretch the floor to make open shots and to still be able to maintain a level of responsibility defensively that can help them, you know, stay cohesive and not feel like they're losing something while while gaining one thing he's been a guy who's kind of played both ways so that's another encouraging sign for me what are your thoughts on maxi this season
1: oh you don't have to you don't have to ask me twice about thoughts about maxi <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite players in the league he's just such a unique guy right he's a three and d 610 guy which mm-hmm. is just like yeah. so strange and last year like you said in the playoffs he was guarding Kawhi at times and he was guarding paul george at times and he had to switch on those guys a lot and so yeah that t- took a lot out of him and so the fact that he didn't have it offensively, you're not asking Maxi Kleba to go out there and score 20 for you though. Right. right. You're just asking him to hit open shots. It's basically all you're doing. Maybe clean some stuff up around the rim and putbacks and things like that, but you're not asking him to do too much in the offensive end. So defensively he, he shines and man, he had some incredible plays in the game last night against the nuggets. He, was grabbing loose balls he was grabbing rebounds he grabbed the rebound over luca that would have given luca a triple double but we'll forgive him for th- <laughs> we'll forgive him for that uh because in the heat of the moment he's like i'm getting this ball i'm getting this rebound doesn't matter who's there doesn't matter was, it was not like deandre jordan two years ago when he grabbed that ball away from luca i don't know if you remember that
0: yeah name. yeah yeah. no i do you know a night like last night is like stats be damned we just need this ball back <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it wasn't like De- it wasn't like Maxie pushed him out of the way to get it but he was like i'm i'm getting this rebound and so Stuff like that. It's its what makes Maxie a, a championship level, level player, in my opinion. I think he can be a guy in a rotation on a championship team. And so he's uh, he's proven a lot. He's been the Mavs best shooter besides Tim Hardaway with that crazy eight for 10 game against the Rockets. He's been the Mavs best shooter so far this season.
0: One thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, he's a really unique guy. I don't think he gets the you know, I think because of the numbers, he probably doesn't get the coverage that he should. But Mavericks Nation understand, and I'm sure people who were playing against him on a nightly basis in the scouting report, the assistant coaches, they understand. So whether people want to want to, you know, get on train or not early or figure it out late, um, he's a key piece. And I think he's a guy who would be valuable anywhere he was because his size and ability is just a unique skill set. And I'm happy to see him back on track this season because they'll need him. But it's, it's also, like you said, I, I just kind of I like the guy. I'm a fan of him. So I just like seeing him do well. Um,
1: Absolutely. I do, too. And he's a he's a guy that I really like talking to in the locker room when I was there. And uh, our birthdays are like four days apart. And so you just feel like you have, I just like have a connection with him.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. Speaking of which. As we as we want, we when we bring on our special guests, we always want to let our hoop hoop ball Mavs Nation people, hoop ball family, people know in general. Give us a little background on how you got going with the Mavs. You know, you're, as I was saying, you're the host of Locked on Mavs. You do, you know, the Mavs podcast there. You're the lead social for Locked on Mavs podcast network and the channel coordinator for Locked on and NBA, the Locked on NBA pods. So give us a little background on how you got started Is the Mavs your favorite team? Did you just grow to love them? Did you kind of adopt them? Because for me, as a Seattle native, I've just kind of adopted teams and players. So the Mavs end up being in that boat. As many know, um, I chose this team as um, like just literally from a slew of teams I could have covered, but I wanted to cover the Mavericks because I liked Luca. I think that they're an exciting team and they're fun to root for. So for you, how did you kind of get started with the Mavs and everything that you have going on?
1: Yeah, you jumped in at the right time. By the way, this is like the time that it, it, it might have been a little too late, but it's uh, <laughs> the bandwagon is leaving. I started
0: la- I started. I started early last year. If that if that counts, I mean, oh, I w- definitely. I, w- I would have jumped in a little earlier. It was just timing, but I've been. I've been you know zeroed in on them for a little bit now.
1: Yeah, the, the just the bandwagon is leaving the station.
0: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs>
1: But so I started. Um, I started covering the Dallas Mavericks in 2016, when I went to college in uh, in Dallas, and I just I I had grown I had grown up a Lakers fan. I was born in LA. I grew up in Cincinnati, so I was kind of like you. I didn't have a I didn't really have a team in Cincinnati.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cleveland is like five hours away. Indiana is actually closer, like the Pacers were. And so my dad would always tell me, "You you were born during the Lakers game in LA," and I remember he's like, "I was watching it when you were born," and so. Uh, that that team was always, like, my favorite team growing up, and I loved them, and Shaq was my guy, Kobe, after that. And so I was a huge Lakers fan, went to college in Dallas, just so happened, and uh, I wanted to cover the NBA. I wanted, I, I love the NBA, but I wasn't going to be able to do Lakers stuff because they were you know all the way out in L.A. And in 2016, we weren't really, like, all in online. You had to be, like, in, you had to be there in person at times. You had to be around the area. It wasn't like I, – I don't know. It didn't feel like – it is. If it was, if, if I had started today, you could cover anybody, right? Because everybody's on Zooms. All the post-game stuff is on Zooms. So you can be anywhere in the world, basically, and cover an NBA team now. But the way that it was then, which is only like four years ago, times changed so fast. Yeah. So I started covering the Dallas Mavericks. I got credentialed pretty quick, which was awesome. And so I was able to go to games, started covering for a site called uh, Mavs Fanatic, which is now Dallas Sports Fanatic. Then I moved to Mavs Moneyball in the SB Nation. And then I started doing Lockdown Mavs podcast after a couple of my own podcasts that I did, and so I've been doing Lockdown Mavs ever since. Then I started doing more stuff for Lockdown NBA, and now I'm in the role that I am now. Just you know, you just grind and you just start working, and you uh, man, we've grown the, the Lockdown Mavs podcast to be the biggest Mavs podcast that there is, and so it's uh man, it's been quite a ride, and I've been grateful to be uh, grateful and 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 very blessed to be able to have you know a job like this, and especially during the times that we're seeing right now. And uh, to have a job in sports and to get a job in sports right now is just I mean, that's that's crazy. (laughs) That's that's crazy. So very, very grateful for that.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Like you said. So you guys hear that Mavs Nation and who Mavs biggest Mavs pod, biggest Mavs, biggest Mavs site being covered right now. We got them on the on here. It's an honor to have you. (laughs) Thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge, and yeah, shout out to Mass Moneyball. I've had Josh Bow on, the editor over there. We've had him on; he's a great guy too. So, just trying to pull in all stars. That's all we do over here: get all stars <laughs> to come talk about the mass. Um, moving along, so discouraging signs for me. Discouraging the only discouraging sign I really have, um, because it's hard for me to get into a negative mood after last night's win. So I don't want to go too bad on them, <laughs> but. The rebounding. Now, granted, rebounding will pick up when they get Porzingis back, of course. Um, But I think that as a team, they just still aren't rebounding the ball well. They're allowing too many second chance opportunities to teams. Last night, the rebounding battle, they lost 37 to 49. And it almost it almost got them beat um, because they just weren't coming up with they weren't finishing defensive possessions with a rebound or getting the, or, you know, or fighting offensively when they were falling into a rut of not being able to make shots. So for me, that's, that's a discouraging sign that I see that I don't think, I don't think Porzingis cures all when he comes back. And then Dwight Powell for me, I I'm not as, I'm not as down on him as I've seen some in the Twitter sphere, so to speak about his, about his lack of whatever everyone expected him to come into the season being because he's been out for so long. He had an Achilles injury. While, you know, modern medicine allows you to come back a lot better than it used to. Back in the day, you know, some of these injuries, especially an Achilles injury, was almost a death sentence. But But these days, you can come back from these injuries and get back to looking great. I mean, if you look at Kevin Durant, if you look at a slew of other guys who have just come back from different ailments that maybe everyone thought wasn't going to, you weren't going to be able to see the same guy they've come back to play well. And I just think for him, he just needs time. You know, some of his, some of his athleticism seems to not still be there. Some of his quick twitch seems to still not be there. And he's not, he's not, you know, um, running to the rim or rolling to the rim with the same athleticism and ferocity that we're accustomed to seeing from last year. So, I'm I'm exercising patience with him it is a little discouraging only from the standpoint that you just wonder will he get back to being um, at a productive level that maybe he expects of himself or maybe Mavs Nation expects but between the rebounding and seeing him you know progress and he's steadily been progressing to play better but are there what are your discouraging signs as you're watching the Mavs?
1: Yeah I think the whole thing about Dwight Powell is that Yeah, I'm with you in that. You have to give him more time, but they're throwing him in the starting lineup with a team that expects to make the playoffs and then potentially win a first round series this year. So, and it's a shortened season. They have to get going with a lot of the new guys. They have to learn how to play together. And so allowing a guy to try and come back like that, I just don't think it was productive. And so having him come off the bench and play some minutes and get his legs under him there, I think that. Um, I think that's, that's kind of different. And, and also he's better in short spurts, right? He's not going to be a guy that you want to play 40 minutes because he's not going to, I don't think he gives you enough to to garner that much time. And so playing him in like they did in the, that Denver game, they put him in for, I think he played about 10 minutes. He comes in and he has a couple of good, good buckets. He has, you know, a couple of rebounds and you just, you want that guy as your energy guy to come in and be totally fresh and ready. So I think that's the whole thing of Dwight Powell. That's why a lot of people have been down on him and have been negative about him is because he's not a starting level center right now, especially coming off of that injury. And maybe before that he wasn't, but the Mavs put him in a really good position to do so. He was also playing next to Porzingis, which has been, I, I guess that's going to be my, one of my negative things is that uh, I was thinking Porzingis would start at the beginning of January. That's what, that's what they all kept saying. That's what you know the Mavs were saying. That's what Carlisle was saying. It's not going to, you know, that he would start at the beginning of January and the beginning of January came and they're like, well, it's not months, it's weeks that he'll be back. And I'm like, okay, well, and now, you know, the most recent thing they said is now it's not weeks it's 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 soon or week or whatever. Like, I don't know how much right. more they can compress the uh, the amount of time that they're going to say. So Porzingis not being ready and not coming back. Um, maybe the shortened off season had something to do with it. The fact that they thought maybe the season would start in late January or February, and then it ends up starting in the end of December. That maybe changed some things for Porzingis, but him uh him not being ready has been has been tough. And so I think that um when he comes back, he's got a lot to prove, I think. But it just it's going to be time, right? He can't prove it day 1. He can't mm-hmm. prove it even month 1. He's got to be able to prove that he can stay on the court and it's just I'm so tired of talking about it, right? <laughs> it's like, it seems yeah. like every single time we talk about Porzingis or bring up his name or anytime the Ma- anybody talks about the Mavericks, national media or whatever, the TNT guys are talking about it. They said, "Oh, this is a great win for the Mavs, but the poor thing, is thing, it's still looming over them and he still has to be healthy and he hasn't been in his career. So that's going to be the negative thing. Uh, the other thing is, is probably Jalen Brunson, right? Like Jalen Brunson still hasn't looked, he's coming back from a shoulder injury too. He, besides that one game against Houston, he hasn't really looked that good. Uh, he hasn't looked good, you know, driving the ball passing. He hasn't looked good, you know, making plays, making decisions. And so there's some kind of rust or something that he's dealing with That I hope that he can shake. And especially if, uh, You know, they're not going to add anybody else and they just have him and Burke as the backup guards. I think they really need Brunson to to play a big role. And so he has to get out of this slump that he's dealing with.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, It'll be nice to see him, see if he can bounce back. And I I think with with everything that's going on with the expedited offseason, you know, guys coming back and not being as in shape as maybe they anticipated because they were, you know, everyone was kind of wanting the season to start you know, either late January or after, you know, um, after February or after All-Star break. Either way, you know, everyone was thrown off in some capacity. So I've been trying to exercise a little patience, give everything, give everything a more broader view in a, in a 10 game sample size, so to speak. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you want to see more from those guys and definitely with Dwight Powell being in the starting lineup. Um, I think that just enhances expectations all around because you feel like if Rick Carlisle put him in the starting lineup, then maybe he saw something in him that deemed him to be a starter. And if you're a starter, then obviously you need to perform like a starter. And if he's not ready, bring him off the bench, which they've done um, and have started Willie Carly Stein, which moves me to my next uh, part, which is stock up Mavs, stock up Mavs for me. So this can be either team related or it can be player related for me. I think it's player related because Willie Colley Stein has brought a level of tenacity that I think that that was much needed, a level of activity defensive. That was defensively. That was much needed. And last night, I mean, he was in foul trouble. He didn't play as long as, as I would have liked. I mean, I think overall he played um, 16 minutes, which is, which is not necessarily what he's been playing the last few games, which was in the mid-20s, but he was struggling with foul trouble. But the numbers on him playing against Joker were pretty impressive. He held him to 6 of 17 shooting, 1 of 4 from three-point line, um, one assist to one turnover, and one shooting foul drawn, which you know with his up fakes, he's going to get you in the fouls. But he was picking up ticket Like, he picked up his third foul in transition, like like, in very – not foul. It was like a weird it, hip
1: foul where he was yeah, like, just seemed to be too close to Jamal Murray for the ref's comfort. It was like, okay. yeah. So
0: it was just like I don't know if it was you know misfortune or just a lapse of judgment, but it would have been great. I mean, obviously when you win that cures all. So you know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But just being just looking at it for what it is, <clears throat> it would have been great to have him on the floor longer. But overall, he did a really good job on Joker. He did a really good job last game as a, you know, as a surprise starter. No one's seen that coming. So I and I've been, you know, kind of uh, on the podcast and just in general, kind of like rooting for him to get more minutes. I think when you're in flux of trying to figure out what's working, what's not working as the Mavs have been, which was, you know, they had a losing record. You got you have to shake it up a little bit. And I think Rick Carlisle, you know, made a good move in putting him in the starting lineup. So he's a guy who's stock up for me. Obviously when Porzingis comes back, he will go to the bench, but even if he does go to the bench, I still think he's a guy that has shown that he, he deserves more minutes, even if it comes at the cost of Dwight Powell um, who stock up for you. And is it team related player related for me? It was Willie Colley Stein.
1: Yeah. Willie Colley Stein is an interesting one. He's uh he's a guy that a lot of it's, he's kind of been like the darling of maps, Twitter, right? it feels like everybody's been asking for him. And a lot of that is because Dwight has been, has had a tough start to the season, but I feel like uh, with with Willie, you get you know you get the the potential, right? It just seems like it's all potential still, and so he's kind of turning some of it into like kinetic energy, right? You have potential kinetic energies, turning some mm-hmm. of it into it, but then he makes those mistakes, like you said, gets into foul trouble, and so he's not he's not the answer at the center spot, but he's a good stopgap, I think, and I think Absolutely. that the Mavs were uh, were it was a little, I guess lucky, a little lucky to get him back in there, and they missed out on some other guys. They tried to get Marcus All. And uh, I think they also try to get Aaron Baines. I'm not sure about that hundred percent, but they, uh, they try to go get some other guys and they end up with Willie Colley Stein. So I'm glad that they have him there. Stock up for me. <sighs> Inter- I always try to get people at their stock when it's, uh, when it's really low, right? You want to buy, you want to buy low and sell high. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'll, yeah, buy yeah, some, yeah. I'll buy some Jalen Brunson stock. Cause I feel like it's really low. We've seen one game of his where he's really been out there and really felt like he's been like in his bag, basically mm-hmm. so I'll buy, I'll buy some Jalen Brunson stock. Maxi Kleba's stock is probably at an all-time high right now, so I don't know if you want to buy it. Like his stock is up. If we're going with just the the name of the game, right? But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying it right now. It's too high for me. I don't. I want to buy a little bit lower. Um, Luca. Can I buy some Luca stock? Is that like, yeah, that like buying? Is that like buying Apple stock or Tesla stock? <laughs>
0: that's, right what I, now? that's what I was gonna say about Maxi. They both might be in the in the Apple category, but hey, I mean, who's to tell you what stock to buy? I mean, at this point, when you're not winning games at the rate that you expected, any any sign of, of stock up or or positivity, I'm latching on to it. And if and if it takes for those guys to play a little ab- a little above their expectation, or at this point, I mean, I don't even know if Luca has. Um, a level of expectation I, I think anything he does that's above and beyond it's just kind of like okay well he's continuing to come into his own but yeah like last year they had a lot of guys who just played maybe a, above their head in terms of across the board the complimentary players Luca, everyone played at an all-time high statistically I mean across the board career years for everybody So if you can get that from a couple of guys this year, that might be what you need to get yourselves out of a rut. So stock up for whoever is going to help continue to get wins for the Mavs.
1: Yeah. Luca, Luca, the the stock for Luca is that he's still shooting like what? 19% from three.
0: Yeah. it's bad. Like I
1: think eventually that'll come back around. Hopefully uh, one year we'll see Luca be an incredible three point. he will be like a 40% three point shooter and he'll blow us all out of the water. But, uh, that's one I think I would buy some stock on because he can, he still has some obvious areas of improvement that yeah. he can take, and also Luca's defense stock up. I mean, the fact that yeah the fact that they they added Josh Richardson has he's now probably their best defender. Then Dorian and then Maxi, depending on you know which which type of player you're trying to defend. But adding adding those adding that guy all of a sudden makes Luca like your fifth best defender on the floor sometimes, or depending on if Willie's there or whoever else. And that's a great role for him, right? He guards the guy that's least involved in the offense. You try not to get him in pick and rolls. But if even if he is involved in that, he's just so big and stocky. And he's so strong, man. Like, you can't push him off of his spot if he's on defense. And then he was grabbing all those steals and basically the, playing the passing lanes. And he's a pretty smart defender. And so he's not elite. I'm not ever going to say that he's going to, you know, all, all defense. I think there was a guy that, that put Luca on his all-defense team last year, which is just, I mean – that's absolutely ridiculous and there's no (laughs) there's no reason especially last year for that guy to do that but I think Lucas defense as well that that stock's rising too
0: yeah I, I I agree I think that more so than anything his willingness to defend and I just think it sends a message to the rest of the team because again attitude reflects leadership right so for him I think that the fact we know he's not the greatest of defenders we know that he's not You know, going to be labeled a stopper maybe ever in his career. But the thing that I like is the try hard aspect. And when you and when your teammates see your leader is getting down in a stance, sitting in a chair, willing to defend and keep guys in front of him, I think it just sends a message um, throughout the rest of the team like, hey, let's pick it up. And which is something I've talked about on previous podcasts, which is his leadership. And it's not necessarily in the form of uh, being vocal, but but it's nonverbal leadership, being, you know, defending um having energy to start a game because sometimes they just come out flat, like just things that get he's gonna always be the engine. And if it's a sluggish engine, it's going to the car is going to run sluggish. If it's if it's revved up and ready to go, the car's gonna take off. And so I think for him, exactly to your point, I think that Luca being a willing defender is a um is a great thing for the team. But yeah, between the he was one for five last night from three And he was four of eight from the free throw line, which he's been better um, from the free throw line throughout this season. But the step back threes, I'm just not a fan, especially with the way he's not making three pointers. The step back is just not a go to. And then statistically, he hasn't nailed that as much, even though the biggest shot of his career was a step back three in the playoffs. So it's funny to say. But um, He also has to take more catch and shoot threes. There's been times this season where I think that those are are the easier threes to make when you don't have to dribble off the move and come off of screens with the ball and try to pull up a three. But if you can get some opportunities where you're just spotting up, take those. I think sometimes he takes tougher threes than are necessary, and that's also hampering his his three-point ability. But stock down Mavs, Um, for me, stock down, so the Mavs wins this year are against the Clippers, Heat, Rockets, and the Nets. The Mavs' losses this year against the Suns, Lakers, Hornets, and Bulls, which tells me between those four teams that they've lost against, they've lost against some of the upper-tier teams, and they've lost to some bottom-tier teams. They have to get more consistent, and if they plan on being a uh, championship-caliber type of team, they have to beat the Suns or Lakers. It's weird to say the Suns, and I only mention them because right now they're second in the West – But the Lakers are also, you know, a team that we know no matter what their record is, they're going to be there as one of the um, final four teams um, competing for a championship. But you can't lose to a Hornets. Obviously, the Bulls, they didn't have Luka or Porzingis. So I'm not knocking them too much, but you definitely have to see, you know, consistently and beating the teams that you're supposed to beat, and then beating some of the upper tier teams. Um, For you, Stockdown, Mavs, where do you go?
1: Yeah, I think as far as those those losses, like the, the Chicago one, I don't even count. That would have been like a fun yeah. bonus if they had won that one, but I don't even count that one. The Charlotte loss was just – that's inexcusable, right? And so, mm-hmm. like that one you can't even – that was completely effort. That was completely the Mavericks just – weren't even like it didn't even seem like they're in the game, right? Like Tim Hardaway led them in scoring. That's that should like never happen.
0: Right. right?
1: <laughs> Unless he's going off crazy and he's he's has 35 points or something like that. So exactly. stock down. I mean, we've already talked about Dwight Powell, won't have to go in on that. We've talked about Jalen Brunson. I think his stock is down. I would buy it because it's really low right now, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that that seems to be the the two guys that really stuck out. Man, like I expected a lot more minutes from Josh Green. It seems like his stock is really down right now.
0: Yes, I was gonna but, mention him. I don't understand why he's not playing.
1: Yeah, Mavs first – well, if you saw in the game last night, Carlisle hates, absolutely hates. And the reason why Carlisle got this reputation that he hates young players is that he hates dumb mistakes, right? There was a couple years ago – I don't know if you remember this because I don't think you were covering the team then, but – There was like this whole, and it was when the team was tanking, we didn't have a lot to talk about. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there was this whole Dorian Finney Smith versus Justin Anderson and who would get more minutes and which wing would be a starter and which wing would, you know, garner more time. And Justin Anderson was a guy that was exciting fans loved him he was fun and he did he had highlight plays but he made a ton of dumb mistakes whereas Dorian Finney-Smith would come in and be solid and he wouldn't make mistakes and he wouldn't try to play out of himself and he's the one that ended up getting the time and so I think that's just the perfect analogy for what Carlisle loves in a player and sometimes you have a Luka Doncic and you're like I'm just gonna play him and sometimes Luka makes dumb mistakes and Carlisle can't I mean there's just no way he would just bench him right it's just yeah undeniable the rest of his play but for a guy like Josh Green, he comes into the game last night against the Nuggets, and he has that bad foul against Jamal Murray where he gets him on the pump fake, and Josh Green just kind of flies by him and totally bites him the fake, and he didn't have to. And it was just a bad mistake. And basically he got taken out the next stoppage after that. right? Like yeah. that's, that's all the time he got. And so I think that is going to be really tough for him. And it's hard to see Josh Green and then also see Sadiq Bay over in Detroit, like shooting really well from three. And you're like, "Ah, oh, man, what could have been?" But still have faith in. Duty. I know exactly. Still have faith in Josh Green for sure.
0: Yeah, I um, I have faith in Josh Green. And my thing, I mean, obviously Rick Carlisle is an amazing coach. I I consider him to be top five, um, one of the top five coaches in the league. But one of the things I disagree with, and it's not necessarily Rick Carlisle specific, but just overall in general, when you have a guy like a Josh green who you took in the first round um, seemingly is a part of the future plans. You're not necessarily stacked at his position to where he shouldn't get any minutes. And if he fits a need, which, you know, the overall theme throughout the offseason was, you know, buffer the defense so bring in guys who can defend, which is why they took a guy over him over a Sadiq Bay or a um, Desmond Bain, who I really wanted them to take, mm. um, you know, give him opportunity to grow. I think if you pull guys for mistakes, especially young guys, it's counterproductive in the way that, you know, maybe they do, maybe they do turn the corner. You know, they're more uh, mentally, um, mentally tough to be able to take the rigors of a coaching style from a guy like a Carlisle, who's no nonsense, doesn't put up with too much BS. You have to be, you know, on your P's and Q's when you come in the game. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a sign of, you know, I wasn't paying attention or, I, or I, I slept on the scouting report or I don't know what I'm doing. It's just when you're a rookie and you're playing against different guys, you, you just need to learn trial by fire. And not to say that you should lose games at the expense of playing a Josh Green, but pulling him that early to me doesn't necessarily help. And if you can get guys like him to have confidence now, especially early in the season, you put him in the in the lineup late in the year. Or he starts to get steady minutes because that's another thing for me is everyone that was drafted around him is getting minutes. And I don't understand why they're not stacked enough to where Josh Green should not get minutes. And as a guy who came out of college being able to shoot the corner three at a, at a high 30 percent rate, He could be he could be a Dorian Finney Smith type. He doesn't he won't have any on ball responsibility on offensively. He'll just be a spot up guy. And then defensively, he can just be a hound. He's young. He's eager. He wants to get after it. He's going to pick up some ticky tack fouls, but let him learn. So I kind of went on a tangent about that. But that's just my coaching style. My my preference is just kind of to let guys let the young guys get some experience and, and take some of those lumps, not at the expense of losing games, but putting them in there, allowing them to make, stake, make mistakes, self-coach themselves through some of those mistakes. And then when you pull them out, pull them aside and tell them what they should have done a little better. But I don't know. I, I just don't like that. And I want him to play more. I think he has the ability and, um, to, to contribute if he's given the opportunity.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we're going to go back to another finance term, but it's your cost benefit analysis, right? Where you look at it and you say, and if this is Carlisle's choice completely almost, can I get this guy to a level where he's going to, um, you know, he's going to like, like play well in the playoffs or is, is he going to take so long that I don't want to do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is he, it's just going to yeah. benefit. They also have to win games now, right? They have to, to, to win games because you don't know if one of these guys is going to be out for COVID or if Luca gets hurt in the middle of the season and they have to get some games. I mean, all these games really matter this, this season, especially. And so
0: Absolutely. I think
1: that um, I think I, I, I tend to agree with you that you should give the guy some time, but it has to be in those games. Like, you know, the, the bulls game, right? He has to get, find him some minutes there. You have to find him some minutes in, yeah, you know, a late game where they're up big, you know, things like that. And I think he's tr- – I think Carlisle has tried to find some minutes for him there, and I totally agree. They're going to need a guy like that, especially if – you know, what if Dorian goes down? What if Josh Richardson goes down? They need another defender like that that can actually play. And so, yeah, I'm totally with you. I wish, wish Josh Green would get some more minutes. Uh, he actually didn't even play in that Bulls game, did he?
0: I don't believe so. Uh, I i It does feel not make like any sense
1: to me, him. but hey.
0: Yeah, he's not <laughs> – Yeah, I I just I I completely agree. Give him some minutes where it's not high leverage moments. Obviously, you don't want to throw him in the fire of a fourth quarter game against Denver where it's tight and you need a win, especially against an upper tier team. But give him give him some opportunity in back to backs where maybe guys minutes are being managed or, you know, you're playing a lower tier team or um, or even early in early in big games because he can't play in games that don't, you know, quote unquote, don't mean as much all year. So maybe give him some early, early minutes in bigger games just to throw him in the fire, see how he responds. But overall, um, I think he could be a guy who can contribute because of all the reasons you just named. Um, preview, your, your, your thoughts for the upcoming Magic game. What would you like to see? Um, any improvements? Or what would you just like to see overall? For me, I just want to see those guys continue to build off a of last game in terms of um, fighting through adversity, continue to build defensively, because I think – The offense will come at some point, but if they can continue to be a defensive oriented team, get stops when it's necessary, you know, Orlando doesn't present a big issue for me from an offensive firepower standpoint. But do not come out flat. Do not come out taking this team as if it's not on TNT. So we don't you know, so obviously
1: (laughs) as,
0: as as a uh just You're caught on your the,
1: laurels i think is what, is what it's called
0: yeah right right so by <laughs> nature you just kind of you know take take more of a relaxed approach come out and approach this game like you still need it because from a guy who plays fantasy football on a, on another note like you said earlier 3 and 5 and 4 and 4 look really different and even for for a team that's struggling Having a winning record versus being one game under five hundred, you just don't want that. So come out, continue to build on the uh, on the defensive end, and the offense will come. I think they should take care of business. I think this is a game that they should have, and um, they will have if they t- if they do um, everything accordingly. Uh, what do you think about this upcoming game versus the Magic?
1: Yeah, the Magic are a feisty team, right? They're a team that you don't expect. You 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 don't really see any names to pop out. Like Booch kind of kind of pops out. And then, uh, you know, like Jonathan Isaac, if he was playing, and Aaron Gordon are kind of pop out. But you're not really scared of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it isn't really, you know.
0: You and Markell is out. So, I mean, they're, they're, their starting point guard is done for the season. Not that I know. He, not that he's a, a guy that was, you know, scoring was a ton. He playing well, though. Yeah, but he was playing really well. I, I feel really bad for him as a, as a Seattle native and a guy who follows the Washington Huskies closely. His career has just been bizarre in the sense that I just – he was such a shooter and – Whatever happened in the reported workout or with his shoulder, it's just unfortunate now he's got a knee injury. But, yeah, I mean, but defensively, he's one of the better um, defending point guards in the league. But with him being out, having a starter down is, no matter who it is, that's still, you know, one one notch. They're, they're, they're going to take a step back. So that's also something else to consider. Uh, Lucas should have an extreme mismatch at his position in this game.
1: Yeah, I, that was the other thing I was going to say is that Man, I really wish I could see Markel Fultz in this game. I was looking forward to seeing him play, like, a whole game. I'm not able to watch a ton of Magic games. And so, yeah, I was looking forward to that for sure. Uh, It sucks Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. Like, they signed both of these guys, these huge extensions, and all of a sudden they're both out for the season. Like, that's just a brutal blow for this team. And uh, I kind of wonder if they're just going to sell off all the pieces. Uh, Steve Clifford would hate that as the coach. But if they just start selling off all these pieces and try to do some kind of tank job instead. Um, but I I don't think they'll do that, but that would be kind of interesting to see. So in this game, I'm looking to see how they defend Vooch, right? I mean, it's going to be kind of a similar Jokic thing. Do they keep Willie Cauley-Stein on him? Do they put Maxi on him? Um, Yeah, and how do the Mavericks bounce back shooting-wise? I want to see a good shooting game out of this team. I want to see a a game where they shoot like 50% from three or something crazy like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you especially for a team that is known to shoot the ball well. I mean, last night they shot 35% from three, even though they made the ones that was necessary. And then they shot 44% overall as a team. That's that's not necessarily – their superpower is – or was shooting the ball. I mean, I was a huge Seth Curry uh, guy. I thought that he deserved more offensive responsibility. But, you know – that's not, he's not here anymore. I, I, I won't dwell on him and, and I do feel good about getting Josh Richardson. So I understand, but, but yeah, um, a good shooting game would be great. Um, especially against a team who, who maybe, um, they should just, they they should have this game handily if they do everything right, including shooting the ball well. So, um, so we shall see, but, um, but it was fun. I, I definitely enjoyed talking about last game. It's obviously great to um to come off of a win as a, as opposed to a loss because i think sometimes in losses you can get so negative even though <laughs> it's all in context i think so, uh, not there's never a such thing as a good loss but you can always find good things in a loss but always always great to talk on a win even more so great having you on um you taking time out of your busy day as you cover the maps 24 7 you came to, to cover the Mavs at least another for an additional 25th hour with me. So I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, everyone out there, make sure you download, subscribe to the at Hootball Mavs podcast. Um, follow me at Hootball Mavs. I live tweet the games. Um, same thing, um, my personal Twitter is at LB It. That's L B S A I D I T. Um, make sure you follow me there as well. Download, subscribe, leave a five star review. Tell me if you didn't like it either way. I love the engagement, um, Nick. Where can everyone find you?
1: Yeah, you can f- follow me at Nick Van Exen on Twitter. You can follow at Lockdown Mavs as well, and get all the stuff there. Subscribe to the Lockdown Mavericks podcast.
0: Absolutely, please do because their their content is terrific. That's how I found him in the first place. I'm glad he was able to come on and spread some of his Maverick gospel. Um, again, we hope to have you back. And um, it was an honor having you, man. Really appreciate it. It was a fun fun talking to you about this uh, Nuggets game.
1: Absolutely, man. Anytime.
0: Absolutely. So um, talk to you all soon. Have a great one. Um, magic up next on Saturday. Go Mavs.